0: It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Hello, everyone. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark I mix Alar, our, our last show before hiatus with the wonderful Karen Frazier, wonderful Cheryl, and the wonderful Chucky G.
1: We are so excited. We love you, and we love doing this show for you, but we feel that a the four weeks we're taking <laughs> off will be really, it will renew us and refresh us so that we come back at you with even more entertaining content than you've ever heard before.
0: Yes, I saw you clap. Oh
1: my God, that was build a that big, <laughs> that was a big promise.
0: Lord. Uh, well, hey, we have a we have a cool guest tonight, uh, Mr. Ross yeah. Allison. It was, yeah. He's the founder of Advanced Ghost Hunters of Seattle, Tacoma, and author of Ghostology 101, A Ghost Hunter's Guide, and sports Booked in Seattle, a haunted handbook. He's also, I guess, a lecturer, a teacher, a tour guide, all sorts of stuff. So, an be-
1: all-around cool dude. All-around all cool teacher.
0: dude. And 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 tonight we have like what three correspondents three different segments. We have Bob Fountain. By the way, we want to wish him well. He is in the hospital right now. We want to wish him well. We are thinking about him. He'll be fine. He's going to come out of there. He's going to be like a... Yeah, the Bob. we oh.
1: love you, Bob.
0: Yeah. And we, we have you, Andy Bob. and Steve and then Crystal, oh, oh, Crystal and Manny. I just love listening to them. So, yes, we have all three of those. And then uh, was there something else you wanted to mention while we we're I on? I
1: did. I did. I wanted to mention really quickly um just because a lot of our read our readers, well, our readers and our listeners <laughs> oh, um, right. well, I was in author mode now I have to be a you radio know. host. So you know how it is, right? <laughs> uh, but anyway, a lot of our readers and listeners know Rick Hale who was my co-host on this show for many years before Chuck came on and has been a writer for the magazine and just a good you know, a good, a good friend to, to the show and to us. And, um, he has cancer and he has been in the hospital and he has had to have his leg amputated below the knee. And, um, that means Rick who has always been a very hardworking person to try and provide for his family can't work. And he probably won't be able to work for a while as he goes through physical therapy and learns to walk and all of that stuff. So there is a GoFundMe account. Um, and because they need some help right now. And uh, you just, if you go to GoFundMe.com and you search Rick Hale, it's the first thing that pops up. I know this is a tough time of year. Um, but if you have five bucks even that you can you can donate, you know, send Rick, Rick and his family a little love if you can. And absolutely. if you can't, your prayers are appreciated as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, support absolutely. is always important, yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. Oh. So, and I, I checked with Rip before because we we knew about this a week ago but i wanted to talk to rick before we put it on the air to make sure he was okay with it okay so yeah yeah
0: that that would be a good thing um yeah i try to
1: be nice that way well
0: that's really nice (laughs) um so we're not doing the news tonight we're gonna do something that you would like to talk about correct
1: well we're doing metaphysics well well,
0: yeah we're gonna chat about it but i mean something that you have a subject to talk about
1: Well, I don't know. I was just (laughs) going to, (laughs) no.
0: Oh, God, here we go.
1: No. So what I do when we do the metaphysics is I never know kind of ahead of time what I'm going to talk about. Because it's. um, I feel like that the information that I share comes through me to somebody who needs to hear it. Okay. Um, And so it's kind of an in-the-moment thing. But one of the things that I really wanted to talk about this week, um, and it just sort of came to me recently and it's because I've had two conversations with people today. Um, and it's about soul contracts and why things appear in your life. And, um, so this is something that's really hard for people to understand when something is in your life, negative or positive, it's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's there, whether it seems like it or not, and quite often it does not seem like it. It's there as an opportunity. Correct. And, um, and that opportunity is there uniquely for you. Well, here's one of the things that I've discovered in my own life is that when things come up over and over and over again, it's because the first time I failed to see the opportunity, the second time I failed to see, and until mm-hmm. I recognize the opportunity and get whatever I need to out of it, it's going to continue to come up. Mm -hmm. But so one of the people I was talking today, um, it had to do with a conflict with a, with another person. Um, and, and, and we talked about how this conflict was the opportunity and what it might be about, such as setting boundaries or something like that. Now, I can't tell you when you have something come up in your life what it's about. I think that you have to listen to your own intuition and go inside, meditate and talk to your guides and all of that stuff, right? Correct. Um, and so I, I can never tell somebody what an opportunity that arises is about. Although there are a lot of times that that I get kind of intuitive hits and I think I might know. <laughs> But it's still best if you let them find out. So the other person, um, she has chronic illness. Well, you know, I have chronic illness as well. I have um, Hashimoto's and I have autoimmune disease and it flares up every once in a while. So um, when we, I was talking to her about the chronic illness and she was like, well, why? What is it? I mean, and she asked me, if, how can I be a healer if I'm not healed myself?
2: Okay.
1: And um you know, what does this chronic illness mean? And did I do this to myself? And am I doing something? And what I was trying to explain to her is chronic illness. um, It may not be something you've even chosen consciously. Right. But it is something that somewhere along the line on your soul's path you thought, well, if I get to this place, I may need this opportunity to teach me something. And that seems really unkind when you're talking about somebody being ill, right? Well, it's your fault you chose this. That seems like a really callous thing to say to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I say is it's not a conscious choice. It is the, a choice. It's, it's something that occurs for your greatest and highest good. Okay. And um, she was saying, well, am I supposed to ignore it? I have a, this spiritual teacher who's telling me that I need to ignore it. And that every time I talk about me being in pain, I, it gives it energy. And, and she was saying that type of thing to her. And, and my response was, well, first of all, why is it anybody's business how you handle your illness, right? Right, exactly. Uh, and and who, why would you ever think to say that to somebody? Because that's just really cruel. Yes. I mean, can you imagine, Chuck, if I said, well, you know, whatever, say you have a, I don't know, do you have an illness right now?
0: Yeah, I have diabetes too.
1: Okay, what, that that's is cute. all you, that's your fault, you chose that. <laughs> How would that feel?
0: Not real I mean, like, nice, right? I'd be mean, no, I mean, like, screw you, man.
1: <laughs> and that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is somewhere in your soul contract <clears throat> that diabetes serves a purpose. Just like Correct. somewhere in her soul contract that pain is serving a purpose. And instead of ignoring that, the the trick is to go inside of it, to be with it, and to understand what the opportunity is. And it's okay yes. to acknowledge it. You don't have to, you know, there's this belief in spiritual circles that just, I don't understand. It's this belief that you have to deny it. And you've heard me say, fake it till you make it, right? Yes. But that doesn't mean you deny reality. No. If you're,
0: <laughs> you need if to you're, work through it. Yeah, you if you're sick, you yeah,
1: Sometimes you may never work through it.
0: Well, no, but I'm saying what you, to... you may
1: have an illness that you, you you can't work through, but that doesn't mean it's not serving a higher purpose in your life.
0: Right, but well, I'm not saying work through the illness. I'm saying work through the mindset for it, you know, and you say, yeah. okay, this is something I have to deal with, like type 2 diabetes. So I take, what did I take good out of that? All right, so I paid not attention to probably my health for a long time. I got diabetes too. Now I pay attention to my health. I'm very healthy. My numbers are good. Um, so I took something bad and I turned it to something good doesn't mean it's gone away, but at least I know uh, I understand the purpose of what I need to do with the situation, I guess, you know?
1: Right. Well, the big thing that I want to point out, well, there's lots of things. I mean, I know I sound like I'm kind of all over the place in this, right? Okay. So um, you don't have to ignore something that's happening in your life that feels negative. You don't have to pretend that you're not sick. You don't have to pretend that you feel well when you don't. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, but you give only as much energy as you need to work through that in a way that's important for you. Yes. And then you focus on the things in your life, that it, the opportunities that it provides for you. But that yes. doesn't mean pretend it is, doesn't exist.
0: No, it's like when you tell people and they talk about their past, you need to go through, you need to feel your past. You need to go with the emotions, the thoughts and go through the process of, Of understanding what it was that you went through um, and then moving forward from that if you can, you know, because lots of times you can. um, But even if you can't, and you say, okay, but at least I've acknowledged it, I understand it, um, and now I can move with my life in a forward process, you know, because that was probably part, you know, everything that happens, good or bad, is all part of the process and the path that we need to go down. I mean, it's all, there's a purpose for all of it.
1: So I do agree 100%. it all happens for the highest and greatest good Correct. of the person having the experience. And mm-hmm. even though it's really hard sometimes to see what the opportunity is, mm-hmm. there is an opportunity there. And yeah. even if that opportunity, like, okay, I've had some people who have been treating me really crappy for what, about six months now, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you've heard me talk about it. I mm-hmm. mean, I, and I, I don't talk about it publicly, particularly. Right. Um, and it felt really bad. And I will tell you what, I wanted. To bring a world of hurt on these people who are doing really, really mean things to me. Mm-hmm. Well, these aren't the first people or even the second people or even the third people who have done mean things to me throughout my life. So, guess what? That's a recurring pattern, which means there's something in there that I'm not taking away that would be for my higher, highest and greatest good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And part of that with me, I know, is it's about boundaries, Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact that I'm, I'm not very good at setting them because I have such a belief in karma and treating people the way that I want to be treated, even mm-hmm. regardless of how they treat me, mm-hmm. that um, sometimes I just I, I tend to be very passive with that. Um, and so I've always felt like setting a boundary was almost being unkind to somebody. But what I've come to realize this time is cutting off contact and setting a boundary is being kind to myself. Mm-hmm. It's being compassionate to myself. It's not doing harm to that person at all. As a matter of fact, allowing that person to behave in that way mm-hmm. is harmful to them. Yes. Yes.
0: Oh yeah. I, 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 I agree a hundred percent on what you're saying because you know, you want to surround yourself with uh, people that are going to help you grow and, and learn and be loved. Um, and the others. I mean, there's no, there's, there's really not a point in it. It doesn't mean you have to hate them. It doesn't mean you have to uh, choose to feel ill will towards them. You just mm-hmm. need to s- center yourself on what is best for you. Step away
1: with love is, is, is what I believe. And yes. it's something that I've never done well. And when people do those things to me, I always do the self blame thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and so the lesson has recurred over and over and over again. And each time I've gotten a little piece of that mm-hmm. understanding yeah. Um, and thank God, maybe hopefully this time I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Cheryl, well, you, have, you have a question, Cheryl? Yes, Cheryl. Yeah,
3: I have a question. So along these lines, let's talk about on the more tragic, tragic side. So let's say, you know, okay. maybe someone's close family member gets a serious, has a serious illness um, or they die or there's mm-hmm, another sure. tragic, you know, circumstance. Mm-hmm. How, what, what, what can you do? how what what can you do to pull something positive out of such a tragedy
1: well the very first thing you have to do is allow yourself to have the feelings of grief associated with that correct mm-hmm. and um i it drives me crazy when the spiritual mes- messages don't allow yourself to feel anything negative Oops. deny the grief <laughs>
4: no. and all
1: of that stuff because there no you mm-hmm. have to uh, you know we live in a in a reality that's not actually really reality but we live in what we perceive to be reality and it's a place of duality right where there's lightness and Mm -hmm. there's dark Mm -hmm. and we don't appreciate light without the dark yes yes Mm -hmm. so um so basically i mean things happen sometimes and sometimes that thing that happens even though it's in your life and it is does have something to do with you and your highest and greatest good. Sometimes it really is about the other person's lesson. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, people die. Mm -hmm. Things happen to people. We're just not going to go through this lifetime without people we love dying because that's the way the human body works, right? And that's Mm -hmm. kind of the way relativity works. And so what I say is that you let yourself go through the grief, but then you need to, when you've allowed yourself to fully grieve, and most people don't allow themselves to fully grieve. I mean, and fully grieve, you feel every bit of that pain and mm-hmm. you cry and you, you do all of the things that you need to, to feel every bit of that pain. And then once you've allowed yourself to fully grieve, then you can start looking at the positive things that this person brought into your life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the other thing is that tragic when somebody dies tragically, um, it's only tragic for us. It's not tragic for the person who died, even if they died in some horrible way. Way too yeah. young. Yeah, It's still not tragic for them. It's only tragic for us. And it's tragic for us because we miss them.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. But we don't,
1: ha- and, and you need to allow yourself that. But at the same time, you can miss them, but they're still there. They're still with you. Mm-hmm. The effect and impact that they had on your life remains.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, all of that stuff is still part of your life. Mm-hmm. And you have to go through the darkness and the grief before you can get to the light and see that that person, their impact on you is still there. And yep. so the only thing that's missing now is their physical presence. Mm-hmm.
3: So do you yeah. have any recommendations as to like <clears throat> exercises one could do, could take to um, do what you're talking about? Like, is it meditation? Is it writing something down? For grieving? Yeah.
1: yeah. It is going into your room and crying, yeah, crying. And feeling
2: terrible,
1: <laughs> yeah. and mm-hmm. and whenever the grief overtakes you, you let it overtake you instead of stiff upper lip stuff. Yeah. And yeah. and mm-hmm. we are terrible, and and I mean we're not maybe as bad as like some other uh, cultures, like the British with the stiff upper lip, which mm-hmm. is really <laughs> truly a thing. Okay, um, but we we do not give ourselves, we do not have patience for ourselves when it comes to grief. Mm-hmm. Or any negative emotion hurt pain when a relationship ends we don't let ourselves go through it because we let ourselves go through it for about 10 minutes and then we're like oh I've just got to act like everything's okay and I know because this is me this is what mm-hmm. I do but um,
3: what, what happens though when yeah. you uh, you let yourself grieve and then what but then some what what it's because next. eventually you stop grieving and yeah. then, but then what
0: then but then you but then you want to start thinking about all the things all the memories they've given you all the times you've had together all the you want to start Thinking of all the positive aspects of that person.
1: So that, that might be what works for you, but I think it's, it's even simpler than that. It's about allowing. So if you allow yourself to fully grieve, Mm -hmm. the grief stops. And the next thing that happens is you allow the next things to come along. Okay. So it's just about allowing. Um, and that's a really hard thing to do because I mean, like, I don't like to cry in front of people because I feel super embarrassed. Um, and you know, but I know, have you, okay. So have you ever had something happen like a breakup or something and you just wallowed until you were done wallowing? Yeah. Okay. And then you were done, right? Yeah. Okay. So what about the breakup where you didn't allow yourself to wallow because you, you felt stupid? I bet you still have some unresolved feelings about that. You know why? Because yeah. you didn't eat the ice cream. <laughs> Straight from the carton while right. bobbing in your PJs. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay. Did I answer your question or no? Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. And I think what Chuck is saying is good too. If you, if you get stuck in that emotion, then you can try to bring the positive things. But if you are truly letting yourself experience that emotion, you're not going to get stuck in it because when it's done, it's done. But I do think, Chuck, I do think, Chuck, that you make sense because some people, because they refuse to allow themselves a total emotion, get stuck in it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes.
1: Um, And like even with you, do you mind if I I bring up your your divorce, Chuck? I just did.
0: So yes, even you with
1: you, when you it's were kind of late through- now, <laughs> no, no, because I would. Stop. No,
0: it's okay. That's no, cool. But
1: when you were going through your divorce, mm-hmm. you and I talked a lot, right? Mm. Yes. And a lot of it was, I'm so angry, but I don't want to be angry. Yes. You remember all that? Yes. And look how hard it was for you. You got stuck in that emotion because you weren't allowing yourself to experience it. Once you actually fully just let yourself be pissed as hell and yes. hurt and yes. scared and all of those mm-hmm. things, what happened?
0: I became fine. I was fine. It all went away.
1: And you didn't even have to make any conscious effort necessarily to be better. No. It just happened. Yes. Yeah. You ate the ice cream in your Mm -hmm. pajamas.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Right Mm -hmm. out of the cart. Rocky
0: Road. But then, like I'm saying, you know, and I did, you know, like once I came out of it and I was fine, I did start to think, well, you know, what what can I take positive out of this situation? You know, like where can I go now? You know, like I tell my kids, kids, you know, like anything bad, you can always take something positive out of it. You got to look at what good you can take out of that negative experience because negative experiences are how we learn. I mean, we don't learn if everything's all good and and cushy all the time. And I mean, it has to be that way in order for us to pay
1: attention. So, No, and as a matter of fact, um, my friend Melissa Watts, who is a pretty spiritual person, used to say to me, she used to say that people who have those seemingly perfect lives where they have all the money and they have everything and everything else, she called it high karma, that they have high karma. And what she meant is, is that they have so many things to work through, that they've chosen an easy life just because and it's going to wallop them at some point in the future.
0: Man. Yeah. All at once. <laughs> it's going to be pretty bad to be like a big tidal wave coming at you.
1: Well, remember, what do I call it? I call it the universal two by four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you oh. get that. Yeah. You know, that you get whacked upside the head. And mm-hmm. so, so the best thing to do is to get it the first time, but almost mm-hmm. none of us do. Right. Right. Yeah, so well, the first time something negative happens, if you were to really allow yourself to go through it, and in the process of, go- so of going through it, understand what lessons were there for you, right? It probably wouldn't happen again.
0: I'm sure it probably wouldn't, but then. But you how know, many
1: of us actually do that?
0: <laughs> hardly any of us, because <laughs> we have to learn by uh, error and error and error.
1: <laughs> oh, I am! I am the queen of the the universal two by four I have gotten so many uni- I mean in the time Cheryl's known me since what like 2008 Cheryl mm-hmm. how many universal two by fours have I been smacked upside the head with
3: 50
1: yeah, at least <laughs> I That's yeah an exaggeration like,
0: like hacksaw do come up and whacking her a few
1: <laughs> it's been it's been a lot you know and it, it could be something like losing your job mm-hmm. um but losing your job could be like when I lost my job in 2008 at the time, it was a job I hated, by the way. Mm-hmm. At the time, I thought, oh, my God, this is so tragic. My family is going to starve and everything else. Look at where I am now. I'm writing cookbooks. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, like, I like the
0: way you said it, too. Cookbooks. <laughs> there well, you go. Ta-da! Ta-da,
1: oh, yeah. all right. So there you go. There's our metaphysical, our nice. little metaphysical uh conversation for the evening. We'll have more in the new year. In the meantime, let's do this. Let's go to break. Okay. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark here in MixLR. We'll be back in a few minutes, hopefully, with Ross Allison on the line.
3: Hey, great t-shirt. I've heard of that place. It's really supposed to be haunted. You wear such cool t-shirts.
0: You must have been, what, to every haunted spot in the country? Well, not really. I'm a member of HauntedShirtClub.com. I get a great T-shirt from a different haunted place every month, along with an info card with photos and stories and more. I can hardly wait to
1: open it every month. Wow, I have to check that out. HauntedShirtClub.com, right? Yep, that's it.
3: Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine.
0: And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions.
3: If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit paranormalunderground.net and start exploring
1: the unexplained today. Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today.
5: Hey, are you looking for a new paranormal podcast? Check out All Day Paranormal with me, Crystal Vermis.
6: And me, Manny Vega.
5: We come to you every week with the latest in supernatural news and entertainment.
6: That's right, and you can find out more by going to getspooked.net.
5: And don't forget to check out our YouTube show by going to getspooked.net slash YouTube.
6: Join me at the Big Seance
0: Podcast. I'm Patrick Keller of BigSeance.com, and this is a place for an open discussion on all things paranormal, but specifically topics like ghosts and hauntings, paranormal research, spirit communication, psychics and mediums, and life after death. The candles are already lit, so you might as well come on in and join the Big Seance
7: Podcast.
0: My name is Daryl E. Berry, Jr., long-time practitioner, researcher, and explorer of things metaphysical, mystical, and cutting edge, and founder and director of Next to Density, a research, education, and development effort for personal and thus global progress, transformation, and development. My current and upcoming books include Travel Far, Classes on A Course in Miracles, and Next to Density. For my books and other writings, videos, interviews, public talks, and workshops, and to schedule for consultations, classes, and courses, visit DarylEBerryJr.com or NextDensity.org. Next density, Change Yourself.
1: Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier, co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Thanks for listening to the show. You've probably read my column in Paranormal Underground Magazine. I write columns about energy healing, metaphysics, and also dream interpretation. But did you know I also am an author of multiple books about metaphysics and the paranormal? You can learn more about the books that I've written on my website, authoranfrazier.com. That's author Karen K-A-R-E-N F-R-A-Z-I-E-R
0: so you're looking for the best in paranormal radio well you just found it right here on paranormal underground radio in the dark join me chucky g and my awesome co-host karen frazier for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained
1: that's right every thursday night at 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern and other times in the flyover states on mix lr we will delve into all things paranormal and along the way we'll, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well
0: so, join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. You're listening to Mix LR. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your host, Karen Frazier, and me, the lovely Chucky G. We now have our wonderful guest on this evening, Mr. Ross Allison. Ross, welcome to the show.
7: Well, thanks for having me, guys.
0: Well, thanks for coming.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. So, um, So I know a little bit about Ross, because like I was saying to you, uh, we've kind of been in the same orbit for a long time, um, and been spoken at a lot of the same conferences and things like that, because you're just up the road a ways from me.
7: (laughs) Just a ways.
1: Just a ways. (laughs) But with that being said, um, could you tell our listeners about Ross?
7: Oh, my gosh, I should write a book about that, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe so. Actually, uh, short and simple, I've been in this field for close to 30 years now. I started A Ghost, which stands for the Advanced Ghost Hunters of Seattle Tacoma. I also uh, write books on the topic of ghost hunting, and I'm also the co-owner of Spooked in Seattle Tours, which is uh, Seattle's premier ghost tour. So, there you go. There you go. (laughs)
1: Cross <laughs> and and you travel to some of the greatest places. You try, you spend a lot of time traveling.
7: I do, I do. Uh, a lot of it has to do with um, my lecture tours. I lecture mm-hmm. at colleges and universities, so that takes me all over the US. And then, of course, um, a lot of it is for my work for future books that I'm working on, like haunted historic hotels that I've got in the works. So I t- try to visit a lot of these places. I, I don't like to just, you know read up stories on the internet because we all know how the rumor mill gets around (laughs) yeah well you mean it's not all
0: real oh my
7: god (laughs) so i really try to get out there and meet with these people and the clients and get their firsthand stories and experiences and hopefully if i have the opportunity to be there i can share my own personal experiences as well okay
1: so you're living the dream dude
7: well, thank you. <laughs> it's exciting to be able to travel and see a lot of amazing places. You know, the history alone, you know, especially going out to Europe and you know spending the night in haunted castles and old churches and graveyards. So, yeah, yeah that's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I think let's start with um, Spooked in Seattle.
7: Okay. Well, Spooked in Seattle actually was started because. Um, I, you know, again, with my travels, I do a lot of ghost tours, and I started to find that a lot of these tours were making up stories and dramatizing stories, because their main focus is to scare people, because it's a ghost tour. And as, you know, being a ghost hunter, and you go on a tour, and you hear a really cool ghost story, of course, you might want to check it out for yourself. And then you realize half the stuff they said on this tour never happened. It's all bogus. Mm Mm-hmm. And so as I started doing research for my book, Spooked in Seattle, um, I started realizing I had all these great stories. And so I decided, you know, I want to educate people. That's my main thing is, you know, I'm not trying to convince people that there are ghosts out there. I'm just hoping to open people's minds to the idea that there could be something out there. So I thought, gosh, you know, it'd be really nice to put together a tour that tells the real stories, the real experiences that we have on some of these amazing investigations that we've done in Seattle. So back in 2003, I basically started Spooked in Seattle, and it kind of took off from there. Now we are actually in the heart of Pioneer Square, which is the historic part of Seattle. We own a small section of the underground, the Seattle underground, famed, you know, Oh, that's kind of
3: cool. Yeah.
7: yeah. And we are the first actual death museum in the Northwest. So I have a collection of all this, you know, Victorian era coffins and, you know, mourning dresses and mourning jewelry and death masks and also even haunted dolls. Ooh. Oh,
1: haunted dolls! We have a history here on Paranormal Underground Radio <laughs> with haunted dolls.
7: Yes, I have, I have
0: quite a few of those at home.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Well, nice. you'll do you have to tell. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah, sure.
1: Oh, so so, um, is it open seven days a week, or what are what are the hours that you have for things?
7: Well, we uh, usually are open seven days a week uh, from spring until winter. Uh, Winter is, of course, unfortunately, the slow season because of the weather. Um, So we do uh, only operate during the weekend hours.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, I kind of want to talk about the Seattle Underground. I have um, only done the tour. I, you know, and probably not your section of tour or section of the Underground if you own part of it. Um, And the big impression, I i mean, it was really interesting. Um, It was a little uh, undergroundy. (laughs) (laughs) And I saw a rat. So but I also also know that the Seattle Underground has some amazing stories and um, is is really a pretty haunted place. So what kind of things can people expect if they're coming through and going through on a tour?
7: Well, I do have to let you know that, unfortunately, um, a lot of uh, shows like Scooby-Doo got it wrong when they uh, basically gave you the idea that it was an underground city. Yeah. Uh, It's basically underground tunnels. And the best way to describe it is it's the original sidewalks of Seattle. Right. Um, City after the Great Seattle Fire, uh, the city basically raised themselves one story uh, to get themselves above the sea level and to take care of a lot of the drainage problems that they had in the city. So to do this, they had to raise themselves. And unfortunately, the business owners didn't want to wait uh, the time that it was going to take them to completely tear down the hills and cliffs to level off the ground so that they could build on it. So what they did is uh, they decided, the business owners decided to rebuild their businesses first. So the buildings went up. And then to accommodate the fact that the buildings are already starting to go up, the city decided to build walls around each and every block. So it basically trapped in uh, a full city block. Then, uh, as these walls started going up around each and every block, kind of imagine a big waffle. They started tearing down all these hills and cliffs and started filling in between those walls. And they layered it up to raise the streets. Right. Right. And so now that the streets are higher now than the sidewalks, you kind of have a little bit of a problem because the only way you could get around through the city of Seattle for 20 years is you had to go up and down ladders.
1: In, in, in Victorian dress.
7: In Victorian dress. <laughs> yeah. Could <Wow>. you imagine? <laughs> Not even a little, no. <laughs> yeah. So to get uh, to the other block, you had to go to the end of the corner go up a ladder, cross the street, and then go down another ladder. And it was like that for 20 years before they finally put in the newer sidewalks, which basically closed off the old sidewalk that takes you back to the original pioneer days. Mm -hmm. So now what it is, if you ever take the tours, is it's basically an extended basement. You have where, where you could see the original windows and doors of the building, But just on the outside of those windows and doors, you can actually see a small section of the old sidewalk. And that is what we call the underground. Now, the history of the underground alone is uh, pretty traumatic, Um, especially when they started closing off these sections and then you had um, Prohibition come in, it became a great place to stash all the old liquor, You could also have gambling and, of course, the ladies of the night. Right. So this uh, led to a lot of illegal operations going on in the Seattle underground because it was so easy to hide those sections of the old sidewalks. So with that um, led to a lot of unfortunate, you know, death, crime um, in these old sections, And I think a lot of that still holds some of that negativity, uh, some of those, you know, sad souls Mm -hmm. that have not yet moved on. And they still linger down there.
1: I have heard that. Like I say, I was so busy because I saw the rat like almost at the beginning of the tour. (laughs) and so i was so busy thinking about the rat for the rest of the
7: tour (laughs) it's following you right it's following you
1: (laughs) so i need to probably plus we had our children. well the reason that the rat the rat wouldn't bug me but we had our little kids with us it was this was years ago when my boys were little they're both grown now so yeah but um I, but the stories that they told when I wasn't thinking about the rat were fascinating, but I wasn't paying attention to any of the kind of the, the way it felt down there. But I have under, I understand from other people that there's, there's a definite feeling in the underground.
7: Oh, definitely. And, and some of the best evidence that I've captured that I share on my lecture tours has been captured in the underground. And a lot of people are always surprised, you know, cause you know, I always get asked, you know, I travel all over when I do a lot of these shows, what I think the most haunted place or haunted city in the world is. And it's so hard to say what city is the most haunted because every city has their own unique history. Right. And here, Seattle is so young, you know. We're the youngest city out there, you know, just a little over 150 years. And yet we have a fair share of hauntings ourselves. Yeah. And so I think, you know, for me... To find Seattle's ghosts more engaging is because I have more opportunities in Seattle to, sure. to capture these. You know, the, the biggest problem we have in the ghost hunting field is so many groups just want to go in for that one experience. And sometimes they don't get that experience that they're hoping for and don't go back. You right. Know? And as we've learned in this field, it's all about being at the right place at the right time. Yeah. You know, you go to some of the places that they list the most haunted. And I've been to a lot of them. And I can walk away with no experience whatsoever. Now I can't say that this place isn't haunted, right? but it just didn't happen for me. Mm-hmm. But right. you know, when you have more opportunities to engage in some of these places, you're going to have more opportunities to capture some of that evidence.
1: So do you think that any of the places and not just in Seattle, but all of the places that you've been, do you think that there are any um, that in your opinion are just pure hype?
7: Well, there's a, there's a lot of them out there. Um, You know, one of the things that I talk about in uh, my Haunted Journal, it's um, another book coming out, and also uh, Psychology for the Ghost Hunters, which is coming out next year. Um, I find, and I think to back up a little bit, one of the things that has made me very successful in this field is I've I've always told people and taught people to go with what we know and not with what we think we know. The problem that we have in this field is there's so many theories and ideas and so many people want to label things when we really, truly don't understand what it is we're up against. We mm-hmm. don't have all the answers. So a prime example of this and how the rumor, rumor mill gets around or the telephone game, as we remember in, as kids. Here's a prime example. We investigated the ancient Rams Inn in the U.K., Oh uh-huh. uh huh. Beautiful place. Lots and lots lots of history there. And we met the uh gentleman who actually lives there and owns it. And he's, you know, been there for so such a long time. He raised his kids in this place, and now he's an elderly man living alone in this house or an old inn. And throughout the years that he's been, you know, living in this place, yes, he's had encounters. He believes mm-hmm. this place is haunted. But again, throughout the years, he's had a number of different uh, ghost hunting groups, psychics, amateurs, storytellers. They've all come into his home, and they've all done their own investigation. And when they leave, they all give him a piece of information that they believe that's happening there. Mm -hmm. So now what seems to be maybe just simple encounters to him, because obviously it's not scary enough that he's packed up and moved away. Right now become these amazing traumatic events where, you know, now there's a succubus that, you know, is attacking him every so often. And there's a child buried underneath this portion of the building. And there was a murder that took over, you know, took place here. So when you go there now, he's got all these dramatic stories that he gets to tell you. And, and, when you get to the root of it all, these are all stories that people have told him. These are stories and experiences that people have told him that he is now passed on. So we make it worse
1: sometimes as, as paranormal community,
7: you think? Exactly.
1: So how do okay. we not do that?
7: Well, again, we have to be willing to go with what we know and not with what we think we know. And, and it's one of the things that I've always encouraged people is always track it down to, to the root. There's always a root to everything. Yeah. And if we could find out what is going on in the basic basics in, in ghost hunting, we'd be able to find a lot of the answers to what we encounter in most of these places. So unfortunately, the best that we can do when we do these investigations is be honest. We don't need to exaggerate our experience to make it believable Mm -hmm. because you know sometimes things aren't going to happen and as I said in the beginning you know it's all about being in the right place at the right time so I think honesty and just you know keep it as to what it really happened and be able to share your experiences from there you don't need to you know tell them that there's a child buried under the house if you have no proof of that right no, unfortunately, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people that may have the, the gifts of being psychic clairvoyant, but unfortunately you got a lot of crazy people that want to believe that they're psychic as well. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> I so, wonder
1: which one we are Chuck.
0: Yeah, really? <laughs> well, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not crazy, but you know, I don't know. You never know. Um, so, uh, Speaking of, speaking of what you're talking about, uh, where you go into places and, you know, or what Carrot asked, you know, some of these places are just all hype and there's nothing to them. Uh, there, are, there are some locations that you've gone to. And one of them that I wanted to ask about, you know, because there's always been the up and down of this place is the Amityville house. So uh, so you've been to nice. the Amityville house. So let's talk a little bit about that. And at least from your aspect and your personal experiences, what you thought of the location.
7: Well, it was just by chance I was able to get in there and it was actually right when it was uh, for sale and I actually was able to uh, go through on an open house and walk through with one of the people and she actually, um, the real estate agent, um, you know, houses, you know, empty. There was nobody else but me and her and, you know, I'm kind of going through. So I didn't get a chance to actually set up like a full on array of equipment, yeah, but I got to go through the house. And, and see all the rooms where, you know, you know, you know, he actually went around and killing his family that we do know happened.
0: Right. Right. The right. right. uh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm.
7: Um, but I didn't experience anything. I didn't feel anything. Now I don't claim to be, you know, psychic or sensitive, but there have been those moments where I will go into a room, not knowing any information about this place and, and get that heavy feeling Yeah, sure. that, 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 that there's something there, A mm-hmm. the spidey sense. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I didn't get that there at all. And, and the interesting thing is, too, if you go back and you look at the, the research of all this, mm-hmm. um, after the family moved out, you know, the craziness, yeah. the Lutzes had moved out, mm-hmm. there's never been any activity reported since then. No. Right. You yeah, that's know, correct. There's, and there's been a number of families that have lived in that house. Mm-hmm. No. Were the is the first family to buy
1: it after the DeFeo things, or was there somebody yes. else?
2: No. They, no were, they were the first. The yeah. Okay. Yeah,
7: and that's, and that's the story behind it, too, is because they got such an awesome deal because they moved in right after that tragic event. And right. so no one wanted to live in a house where a family had been murdered.
1: Yeah. Right. Yep. That's interesting. It's been a long time since I read that book up in my bedroom with <laughs> a flashlight
0: when I was thirteen years old. I remember that. I've done a Bearing lot of
1: the crap out of myself, yeah. wouldn't go to sleep.
0: Yeah, so, a lot of readings on that and uh, you know, checking into that. That's, funny. So that's I was kind of curious because I know they changed the windows on the house so it didn't look like what you used to see from the book mm-hmm. and stuff, so it wouldn't be as noticeable when people were driving because they used to get so many people coming up and driving by, you know, the poor owners were just going crazy trying to kick people off. So I know right. they changed all that up again, too, so it didn't look the same um
7: yeah it's an so, interesting thing too if you've ever yeah. been down that road mm-hmm. a lot of the houses are very similar so you're like you're driving yeah. up is this it no 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 that's not <laughs> <right."> oh <laughs> on, yeah. isn't it ocean yeah. drive or something
1: yeah yeah yeah. Yeah.
7: Yeah. yeah
1: how Just funny that. i remember that but i don't remember many of the details <laughs> stuff. that and i remember something about pig's eyes in a window and a red room yeah outside. jody
0: jody, jody yes yeah. <laughs> so all right so let's let's move on to a different case that um i know that you had experiences with uh which was the original location of the exorcist case
2: oh yes
0: so i want to hear about this i want to hear in
2: depth <laughs> about this
0: because I've, I've seen other people go there and, and had some experiences themselves but i'm just curious like from your end how did it what did it What what transpired
7: Okay, so as I said, I I lecture all over the U.S. at colleges and universities, and I was asked to lecture at St. Louis University. Now, when I first went in, I was unaware of their paranormal history. Um, You know, of course, I'm very aware of the the movie and all. Um, So, of course, when I do my lecture, I'll do an hour lecture of the history and about ghost hunting, and then I take the students on a ghost hunt throughout their campus, So as I'm, you know, wandering around through various different buildings on the campus, I'm learning about what happened here on the campus. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's getting pretty exciting. So they take me to this one building. This building is right next to the church that was involved in the exorcism. Now, at the time, the church owned this building, but they have now sold it to the campus. So now the campus uses this building that was actually involved in the exorcism case. So I go around through the first three floors and it's nothing unusual, but when they take me to the fourth floor, I'm surprised to find that it's completely abandoned. And it's huge up there. And I'm just kind of thinking, gosh, you know, I think a campus this size would be utilizing the space. Mm -hmm. And as, you know, I'm bringing this up to the students, they're like, oh my gosh, no, 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 no. They said, "Uh, there's been so many problems up here. And, I, you know, problems they're referring to as paranormal activity. And they said, there's, there's just been too much up here that they haven't been able to do anything with the space up there. So we kind of wander around through different areas. And they're telling me the history that when the church owned this, uh, they actually, you know, the nuns used to live on the fourth floor. And, of course, uh, they taught Sunday school up there. In fact, I even went through all the old classrooms. I can see the old chalkboards and the old desks. Still up there. And they took me into this one room. And they said, oh, well, this is where a nun had committed suicide. And I'm thinking, oh, that's great. You know, not that she committed suicide. It was just a good lead. Right. And so, you know, I continue on with the investigation. And I, I actually walk into this one room. And right when I walked into the room, I heard this crunch underneath my feet. And I looked down and I realized I'd stepped on a dead bird. Now, that was nothing unusual for me because I've been in a lot of abandoned places as you guys do. Animals get trapped, they die, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's it's nothing unusual for us. But, you know, I didn't want anybody else to step on the dead bird so I just kind of kicked it over the side so no one else would step on it. And I shine my light through the rest of the room and I'm surprised to find that it's just filled with dozens and dozens and dozens of dead birds all (sighs) over the place. Now, one of the things that I failed to mention is that security had removed all the doors on the fourth floor. And the reason for this is because they've had problems with students constantly sneaking into the fourth floor to scare each other. Mm -hmm. So it just made it easier for security to do do their rounds where they didn't have to open and close doors. Now, I've already been through most of the fourth floor and I hadn't come across any dead birds until I get into this one room. Now, why did the birds all choose to die in this one room when they had access to the whole fourth floor? Hmm. Come to find out, this is the room that the boy had stated. Oh. Yeah, creep factor's gone up a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, now if you're not familiar with the story, and unfortunately, there's a lot of different versions to the story of what really happened in the Exorcist case. Mm -hmm. But the story is that the church uh, believed that they could not perform a full exorcism on the boy because this could possibly kill him. So what they did is they moved him to various secret locations and performed multiple exorcisms on the boy before they finally uh, took him to the hospital for the last exorcism. Mm -hmm. Now, realizing that the boy had stayed in this room, and knowing now that an exorcism had been performed on the boy, yeah, <laughs> you're kind of wondering what's going to come up next. Right. So one of the things that I do is I give the students some basic equipment that they can you know, follow me around with. Mm-hmm. And we're in this room for less than five minutes when all of a sudden all the equipment goes off at the exact same time. We're talking the temperature started to drop in the room and you could physically feel the room getting colder and colder, almost to the point where I'm expecting to see my breath anytime soon. EMF detectors going off like crazy. And we this is kind of like the holy
1: grail of paranormal stuff happening <laughs> at once, by the
7: way. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, EMF detectors going off like crazy. We can't figure out what's causing EMF readings and the compass is spinning around and around and around and around and it will not stop. So, you know, as you said, oh, my God, this is, this is one of those rare opportunities. I got to document this. I got to prove that we are really experiencing this. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, a photo is not going to do it. So I luckily, my camera uh, films in infrared as well. So I switch my camera over to video. I start filming everything that's going on. I'm filming to the students. I'm filming the equipment. I'm proving we're experiencing this. And it starts to slow down a little bit. So before it completely stops, I decide, you know, let's try for some EVP real quick. So I start asking questions into the air. And I got to the question, I asked, can you tell me whose room this is? Now there's about 15 seconds of silence when all of a sudden I start to hear crying to the left of me. And I turn and I realize that a couple of the female students have started to cry because they're so terrified being in this room. So I realized, okay, they're uncomfortable. I have to admit, I'm a little uncomfortable too because I don't have my normal ghost hunting team. It's just a bunch of college students. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we're up against. So for me, it's always safety first. Right. Right? So I decided to to wrap it up and I said, let's let's move on to another location and hopefully I'll be able to come back and do my own personal investigation later. Well, I didn't get the chance to go back that night. But when I finally finished my lecture tour, And I finally got home and started reviewing all my evidence. I got to that video. And I got to that one part where it asked, can you tell me whose room this is? I got two responses. Now I'm going to edit this because I don't want to offend anybody. Just say (laughs) bleep. Yeah. It basically says, F you, it's mine.
1: Oh. Wow.
7: Okay.
1: Wow! So you know who you need to tell this story to, Ross, is Jay Verberg, because he told me that this is that that confluence of evidence is the only thing that will ever make him believe.
7: Oh, I've got the video. Yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, you need to have
1: a you need to have a chat next time you see Verberg. Wow, oh, well, definitely, I'm saying, definitely. Yeah. So, um, can we talk about the Turner Joy? Because I know, are you still doing t- tours on the Turner Joy?
7: We do. Uh, we shut down for the winter season because unfortunately, yeah, they it's don't cold on that shit. boat. Yeah. Oh. So so we'll start back up in the spring. But yes, we will continue those. Uh, we do the ghost hunts uh, once a month for the mm-hmm. public. And then also we are going to be doing more overnights where the public can spend the night on the ship as well.
1: Oh, uh, so cool. So tell people why they should be interested. Now, I've investigated the Turner Joy a few times and I see your flyers when I'm there. but um yeah tell people about it because it's i i've had some pretty powerful experiences on that on that ship
0: and i've never heard of it so
7: well the uss turner joy is a ship that was actually uh, retired in the 1980s uh, late 1980s and um it's interesting because there is one tragic event that we do know that happens that happened on the ship And uh, that's where uh, three gentlemen were actually killed uh, during a misfire. And there's certain protocol that they have to follow whenever they have a misfire. And one of those is they they put this, they have to cool down the barrel of the gun. So they hose it off and they have to wait a certain amount of time so that the the barrel of the gun's cool enough that they'll actually put a small uh, explosive into the barrel of the gun. So if there's anything still trapped in the barrel, that explosive will push it out. Well, unfortunately, the gentlemen that were involved in that um, must have missed something. But they ended up putting that, that charge in too soon, and it went off, killing two men instantly in the gun mount, and a third guy was thrown out and captured in the nets. But unfortunately, he later died from his injuries. So we do know that tragic event did happen on the ship. Now, I cannot tell you that it's those guys that haunt the ship. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that with the military life for, for these men and women, it becomes their life. And so, as, as we know, as the theory ghosts go, sometimes they just return to what they're comfortable or where they were happiest. And so, there is some strange things going on on the ship. Um, a lot of people have seen shadowy figures. Um, there's been times when I'll be alone as I'm... Um, locking up or I even unlock the ship and I'm turning on and off the alarm, I will hear somebody walking behind me as I'm walking down that long corridor. And I turn around, nothing. But that's happened a few times as well. Yeah, I've had that as well. Yeah, you'll hear, you know, banging noises. One time I was actually doing a private overnight for uh, for a family. And they decided that they wanted to bring a Ouija board onto the ship. Like okay, you know whatever you do your thing, I you know don't really get into Ouija boards. Um, nothing really against them. But I just my biggest thing is I think Ouija boards are more of a tool that allows somebody to channel their own psychic ability. I don't necessarily believe that it's communicating with ghosts, but that's me. This is not a cult. You don't need to follow my beliefs.
1: You know. <laughs> no, I think that that's a great theory actually, and I think that there is some of that, and that's why the idiomotor effect kicks in. Is
7: right. but yeah. Yeah, anyway, so go on. So, yeah, so anyway, so they brought this Ouija board on the ship, and the young lady was using the Ouija board, and she claimed that she was communicating with the young man. So uh, I was like, okay, that's cool. And I, I said, you know, if there is somebody here, could you give us a sign? I got nothing. She asked the same question. You know, if you're here, could you prove to this, you know, ghost hunter that you're here with us? And all of a sudden, right when she said this, I heard this banging noise on metal, which sound like it came from the locker across the birthing quarters. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. I've never heard that noise before. So I immediately, you know, asked a control question. I said, okay, if that's you, could you do it again? Nothing. So I asked her to ask again. And sure enough, she asked that question. And sure enough, we got that bang, 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 bang on the metal lockers from across the way. So there's been all kinds of fun stuff. We gotten some great EVPs from that place as well. I, I just I love the ship, and I hope anybody has, is interested in ghosts will take the opportunity to check the ship out.
1: Yeah, it's in Bremerton, Washington, and it's actually open to the public because it's a museum. But um, so when do you start up with your your tours and ghost
7: hunts for the public then again? It'll start up in the spring. We're not sure exactly when because they are actually going to be doing a uh, dry dock this year. So they are going to be taking the ship out to... Uh, really? Yes. So we're oh, okay. not sure exactly how long that's going to take. But once it's back in the water, uh, we will be invited back to do the tours.
1: Are they dry docking it at PSNS?
7: I'm not sure where they're doing it.
1: Oh, okay. Huh. Well, cool. Yeah, and it's... it's um... Although I will tell you, we, we were in the midst of having all of these experiences, and we started hearing this sound, and we chased the sound, and it was a raccoon running around on deck. Now, how a raccoon <laughs> got on deck of a ship that's sitting in a harbor was beyond me. But, <laughs> yeah, there was a raccoon running around on deck. So the Turner Joy is, is a great place. And do you do tours of any other places as well?
7: Uh, we also started um, this year, we were doing the uh, University Heights, which is an old elementary school in the U district. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's another great place where, you know, again, my team had had the opportunity to investigate a number of times and walked away with some amazing, you know, EVPs. So we were able, we were lucky enough to set up a deal with them. So we are going to be probably setting that up again, uh, possibly uh, during the spring as well. Cool. Do you mind if I ask you
1: about a few places in Seattle that I've heard about that I just haven't done anything with, but that I'm curious about uh, your opinions on them? So one of them is Kells, Irish Pub, which is a former morgue, yes?
7: Yes, yes. In fact, I was uh, the first to ever investigate that place. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, back when the restaurant was still upstairs, um, up and running, known as Avenue One, the owner called us in to do an investigation. And uh, we actually got some pretty interesting places. Now, of course, the, the history of that place is um, the upper part, or well, the whole building itself, used to be a funeral home. Right. So, you know, so Kells itself is down where the, um, the horses and um, hearses were stored. Okay. Um, so they're down in the, the bottom floor, which is uh, attached to Post Alley, if you're familiar with the market area. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when you get up to the second, not even the second, the third and fourth and fifth floor, those were all part of the, um, the funeral home where they had the, the services and stuff. Right. So, yeah, no, Kells is a, is a great place. I, I definitely feel that there is something going on there. Um, but unfortunately <laughs> it's been, uh, kind of a challenge to investigate because, um, It's one of those where you just kind of have to be at the right place at the right time to get the permission to be in there. And now they've actually, you know, for years now, it's been under construction. I can't even tell Mm -hmm. you how many years. Enough to say, gosh, what, a good almost 10 years now? Wow. Yeah.
1: How about the the market, uh, Pike Place Market? Because, you know, I have heard uh, rumors of the market, too. But how do you investigate that? I guess late at night?
7: Uh late at night, yeah, definitely. you as uh, most of you guys know, the best way to do an investigation is when you have a controlled environment. Yeah, so, um, so late at night has has been the time that I've been able to get in. Um, now, I've walked through the market a few times um, on a couple tours, um, but most of it's, uh, the investigations that I've actually been able to do, have been the old theater the improv theater which is now uh where the gum wall is oh yeah uh, i think they're gone now but the uh, gum
1: wall has gone i think
7: uh they cleaned it and then it's back up again oh ah, well holds.
1: good good yeah. seattle people by the way we're talking about pike place market for people who don't speak seattle
7: sorry i just realized <laughs> go, go on ross so so yeah i got to do the theater there um and that again used to be stables uh, and storage for the old um, the horses and wagons and then mm-hmm. of course I got to do uh, the old bead zone that was up there mm-hmm. and that was pretty cool because that again was one of those you know ghost stories that I knew growing up yeah you know, the two most ghost stories that I knew about was the bead zone and Harvard exits
1: well that was-, was the next place I was going to ask you about so good you're <laughs> moving in the right direction
7: <laughs> yeah so you, you had the, the Underground, the bead Zone, and the Harvard Exit were like the three uh, most known haunted places in Seattle. Absolutely. And, and so to have the opportunity, you know, just growing up, hearing those stories, and then having the opportunity to investigate these places was just absolutely amazing. So, yeah, Harvard Exit, uh, lots of history there. Which is there. a theater.
1: It's still a theater, uh,
7: right? No, no. They closed no. the theater down, I think, about maybe about three years ago. I'm not sure what the status is now. I do believe that it's um, a company moved in and they were turning into office building. I believe the building's still there. It's still saved. It's preserved, but unfortunately the inside is not. That's -hmm. the problem with historic buildings. They, the exterior is protected, not the interior. Right. So, you know, the, Harvard Exit Theater actually started out as the Women's Century Lodge, I believe it was called.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, but uh, they actually built it. And there's some pretty amazing stories, too. Because I used to actually give tours in Capitol Hill. And that was one of my stops. Oh, and cool. I talked you know, talk about the, the ghosts that have been seen there. Um, one of the things that I thought was pretty amazing is there is one floor that is all, they use it for storage now but it used to be all apartments and they were apartments for women that uh, unfortunately needed somewhere to stay, whether they were in abusive um, homes or um, runaways or whatever the reason was expecting mothers. They had these uh, little personal apartments and they say a lot of times um, when this was still the, the movie theater that people would actually hear as you know, standing next to the door to the hallway that led down uh, to these apartments, you would hear like somebody in there washing dishes or mm-hmm. moving furniture around or women talking. And, of course, there's nobody in there. All these rooms, these apartments have now been filled in with just tons and tons of movie stuff. Yeah. You came into a lot of these apartments. Wow. So I thought that was pretty cool.
1: So do you have a place, so like in Seattle, there's a place that I've always been really drawn to, and I feel like I need to get in, but, but as far as I know, nobody can, and that's the site of the Wami Massacre. So do you have a place like that where you really feel like you really need to get in there and figure it out, but you just can't?
7: I'm actually in the same boat as you are. The Wami, I think a lot yeah. of us are. Yeah. yeah. That was one place that, you know, I would have loved to have gone into. But I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's gone. I you
1: know? think I had heard that. Yeah, but the energy <laughs> might still be there. Um, but I know that they didn't they close it off for just years. And so for people who don't know, the Wami Massacre was in uh, the International District in Seattle. And how many people somebody
7: came in and just it was a restaurant. And people no, came it was to, actually or a, like a downstairs a, thing. Yeah, it was an illegal gambling hall. That's what it was. Uh, yeah, it was a, It was in the, in the 1980s. Some I don't remember the exact date, but it was in the 1980s when there was an illegal gambling hall going on in the basement in this building, and um, some um, I, I can't remember. There were like three guys knew about it, and so they decided to rob the place. So they went in. They hogtied everybody and shot them all in the back. Yeah, and oh. one guy played dead, and he lived to identify who these men were, and they were captured. I remember when it happened very clearly. I mean, I, I
1: so, but then they closed the owners closed it off
7: for well, years again. And, and again, it goes to the, the their cultural belief. This is the right. Asian cultures. And they believe that if somebody dies there or something tragic like that happens there, it becomes filled with this bad juju, as they would put it. And so in a situation like that, they would actually would just shut it off from the world. You don't want to go there because otherwise you're just calling on bad spirits and bad things to happen to you. So with their cultural belief, they totally did what they believed was the right thing to do. And they Absolutely. prevented everybody from getting into that spot um, just because of the tragic uh, event that happened there. And so did the they
1: tear building, it down? Is that what they did? Or what's
7: there now, now? What happened was, I think it was just maybe a couple of years ago, the building caught on fire. And there was so much damage that they just ended up tearing the whole building down. So it's completely mm. gone now. So it's just an empty lot right now. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't been out there in a long time. I actually am working on an international district tour, so I'm hoping to find out what's going on there now. Yeah, very cool. All
1: right, so shall we talk haunted toys, Chuck, or did you have another question? I heard you. I heard you wind it up there.
0: (gasps) No, no, no. I was just. I just wanted a quick uh, question on the like when you're talking about cultures, you know, like how we here look at the paranormal and things that happen versus like Europe. Uh, you know, everybody pr- probably has their own perception of of the, the things that happen to activity and how they deal with it. And you just kind of covered it already by what you were talking there, too. So,
7: well, it, it's funny too because you know, I I've had the opportunity to go out to to Europe and a lot of these foreign countries for, gosh, I think uh, now I think almost twenty years. And it's been amazing to see some of these places. Not you know, not just for the ghosts alone, yeah. but just for the history. You know, right. knowing what happened there. It's sometimes it's it's really hard to believe that you could be standing in a place that's medieval. You know, where knights actually stood here. You know, and got married. And it's just oh my god. But that aside, um, it's funny because a lot of times when I do have the opportunity to travel to some of these foreign countries. And I contact a place that I hear is haunted. It, it, it's it's interesting because a lot of times the cultural belief, like in, in most cases, there is a big belief in ghosts when it comes to European cultures. Okay. And so they don't need the convincing that we try to provide for people. Mm-hmm. So when you go into these historic places and you say, hey, I would like to do some ghost hunting. They kind of look at you odd. Now, this is before ghost hunting became the huge hype that it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, so in some cases, you, you kind of have to convince them because they're like, "Yeah, we have ghosts. What do you need?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. What's the
0: big deal? Yeah.
7: Yeah. yeah what's true. the what? big deal? Yeah. yeah. So what? You know, <laughs> they they didn't understand the concept of ghost hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's just it, it almost you know it was like it was a challenge for me in the beginning. Mm -hmm. To you know, please you know, let me come in. Let me explore the catacombs and videotape things to try to capture EVPs. You know, because I'm ghost hunting. (laughs) Right.
0: That's cool. cool. All right, so we want let's. Yes, we want to talk about haunted toys. Yes.
1: Yeah, because as I as I have mentioned, Chuck and I, and and we've even forced poor Cheryl to have a little bit. (laughs) So so you can you can see in Skype, uh, Ross. You can see Cheryl, right? Yes. If you see the little doll behind her, yes, sitting on the <laughs> shelf,
7: and Bettina. the teddy bear, huh?
1: that is the it's the the doll is Bettina. That is a haunted doll that I sent to Cheryl, mm-hmm. so, because she's Cheryl's doppelganger. She looks just like her.
0: There you go. So this is
1: this is Bettina. This is Cheryl's haunted doll. Um, so you ha- I have just finished a haunted toys book. Yes. Ooh. well and let's talk about it because that's <laughs> I didn't to that, one one that toys are equal parts creepy and just totally
7: yes. cool yes well it was, uh, it was really fun doing the book um, I actually did the book with David um, and he actually contacted me uh, from uh, Leprechaun Press and um, he you know had, had read my book Spooked in Seattle really liked my style of writing and, you know, said, hey, you know, I'm actually interested in doing a book on cursed, um, on curses. And I said, oh, my God, that's great. Because I've actually, you know, m- me, my, one of my biggest problems, I have a lot of pots, uh, a lot of pots on the burner, as, as they would put it. So. Fires lots in the fire. <laughs> yes. Too many pans in the fire. So it's like um, my biggest problem is I got I a lot of these, you know, books that I've started, great ideas and then I get inspired for another one. So, but one of the books that I was playing around with was called "Cursed," and it was talking about curses from around the world. And there was, of course, a lot of dolls and toys in that. And um, he's like, "Oh my God, you know, would you be willing to work with me on this project?" And I said, "Yes, I would love to." And so, so what happened is uh, he basically, you know, started going over his ideas, and I went over my ideas, and we thought, yeah, this would be a great project. But he's like. I, and then I came up with this idea. I said, you know, one of the things that I would like to see out there is a book on haunted toys, because there's a lot of toys out there. You you see it in all the horror movies as well, especially when children are involved. And I thought, gosh, you know, it would be really cool to do a book on, on haunted toys. There's got to be enough out there. And he's like, oh, my gosh. And he's like, that's a great idea. And he's like, you know, Christmas coming around the corner would be a great stocking stuffer. And so, sure enough, we got on this project, and we started working on haunted toys and <laughs> end up being more of a challenge than I thought because <laughs> you know the thing is I didn't want it to be haunted dolls you know there's tons and tons of stories out there about haunted dolls yeah I said you know it'd be great to have a little a chapter about dolls yes let's put some dolls in there let's do some of the, the the more known haunted dolls out there but I want you know let's do some other things out there so little did i know it'd be a little more challenging to find more stories that are focused on haunted doll, on haunted toys themselves, mm-hmm. not just dolls.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, but I did come across some pr- some pretty good stories, um, and a lot of it was you know not just toys, games that kids played, like board yeah. games. Not no, not board games. Like you know, kind of hide and seek type of games. Oh, oh uh huh, yeah, camp, and, stuff like that. You know, yeah. There's some pretty morbid games out there that children play. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well,
1: Ring Around the Rosie was about the plague.
7: Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, (laughs) you'd be surprised. Like um, the bath game where a child will actually crawl into the bathtub and call on a spirit. A lot of these games are almost like summoning things. Oh. How did I miss them? for trouble, yeah.
1: Are you talking Are th- about, like, so when I was a kid, we would do, like, the the light as a feather, stiff as a board, and we would have um. dances. Right. I mean, so little kids
7: just play.
1: So you're talking about stuff like that.
7: Like, stuff like that, yes. Yeah. But, you know, some of these get a little more morbid, you wow. know? Um, uh, you know, yeah. Like, uh the bath game, as I was talking about, you know, here's a, a thing where you're actually supposed to, get into a bathtub with the lights out and you're supposed to call on the spirit and the spirit is supposed to show up behind you. And like Bloody Mary
1: in the bathtub.
7: (laughs) It's kind of like Bloody Mary in the bathtub. (laughs) But the, the rule to the game is you're not allowed to turn around and look behind you throughout the whole day. Not till you get home that night and then you release the ghost. Because if you turn around and she's there, you're in trouble.
1: Is this something American kids play?
7: What no. The- a lot, I found a lot of these games are based off of Asian cultures because they're okay. really big into to ghosts. Okay. Oh my, like uh, there's a game called Hide and Seek Alone. All right, this is where you take a doll. You take a knife, you stab the doll, you gut the doll, and fill the doll with rice. Then you cut off some of your fingernails, clippings, or maybe your hair, and you place it inside the doll. Then you're going to take a red string, and you're going to sew the doll back up. This is like
1: super creepy Build-A-Bear workshop. Go on. (laughs) Exactly.
7: So then, once you're done with that, you, you do this chant. And this chant is supposed to summon the spirit into this doll. Okay. Now, you're going to set a, uh, a nice big, uh, let's say, uh, either the bathtub. You can fill the bathtub with water, or you can fill a sink with water, or a big tub. And you're going to fill it with water. And you're going to submerge the doll in this water. Now, what you do is you, you make it known to the doll that, sh- that basically what's going to happen is you're going to go hide. So, you make this announcement to the doll. Then you run off into what you'd probably say is maybe a closet. And before you do this, you have to turn out all the lights in the house. And you have to turn on a radio to a, uh, an AM station that's not broadcasting. So, you have that So, static. white noise, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you're in the dark what with the this white noise. <laughs> And children your children play this? Children play this. <laughs> okay. Oh <my> <laughs> yes. Go ahead. So now you have to go into your hiding spot and you count for a certain amount of time. And you may hear the doll approaching. But before she finds you, you have to escape from the closet and go back to the doll. <laughs>
0: This okay. Is like a movie. This is a movie all being right. wait to but, be made right here. Yes. Go ahead. This is,
7: yeah. This is not it. All right. Okay. So now it's the doll's turn to hide. Uh, uh, yes. Oh Lord! <laughs> yes. yes. So now to get ready to hide with the for the doll, you have to stab the doll. All right. <laughs> to I guess anger <laughs> it. All right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's and good. You stab just the doll, out. and ah. now you say, You're it. All right? <laughs> and then Cheryl, you... are you writing
1: this down so you can play it with Matino later?
7: Run, and then just run. <laughs> yeah. So now you go back to your hiding spot and you count.
0: Ooh.
7: Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, you... and they say a lot of times they'll hear the doll running, you'll hear they doors they opening will. closing. God. God. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh my god, I'm gonna play it with June. I just June and I have it figured out. We're gonna do this.
7: Wait, write this in the book. Is this, is this in the book? This is in the book. What's the Excellent. title of the book?
1: Is the book out now or when is it out?
7: It's coming out uh, this December. I believe it's gonna be yeah. out in a couple weeks. What's so. the title? What's the exact title? Haunted, haunted Toys. Oh, I got it written down. I'm looking so at <laughs> I can't
1: believe it's already seven twenty-five. I just looked at the clock and I really don't want to because I think that we could talk forever. Um, oh, so I hope play. that you I hope that you will come back on and come back on soon. Yeah, um, in a but we are now at the part of the show that we like to call shameless self promotion corner, where you can <laughs> shamelessly self promote and let people know where they can find your books and find you and all of that.
7: Well, definitely, uh, if you want to learn uh, more about uh, you know what I'm doing, you know, definitely check out a ghost at a ghost and that's A-G-H-O-S-T dot org. And of course, uh, you can also find me at Spooked in Seattle at Spooked in dot com. Um, and then uh, check out my books. I have uh, Spooked in Seattle. I have Ghostology 101. I have um, Tacoma's Haunted History. And then, of course, coming out uh, this December is My Haunted Journal and Haunted Toys.
1: Oh, Ross, uh, seriously, uh, I'll have Cheryl get back in touch soon um, after she and I play the game with Bettina. I'm
0: going to do that game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but and I because I hope you'll come back on soon. It's just been fascinating Definitely. having you here. Sorry it took so long to get you on the show and have a happy holiday.
7: You too. Thank nice you for having you. me. Thank you. Good
1: night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Cheryl, are you going to play it?
0: Yeah, let's do it, Cheryl. Can we? Can we, Oh, your I, mic's on. I said, "Are can you me kidding use, me?" No. Let's use patina.
3: <laughs> we'll use patina
0: for the doll. And dare do the
3: patina. So no, pretty, because we want to snap patina. No. All right, patina.
0: we'll just get a different patina. doll. We'll get a different doll.
3: No doll. Chuck. <laughs> hey, I hear. Is that what? a volunteer? Are you volunteering? You have a few dolls, Chuck. Wait. To I'll be do it. Oh, I'm doing do...
0: it. As soon as that book comes out, I am going to actually try. What that I'm trying that. <laughs> yes, I am. I All will right, film it. Right. I will try. it.
3: Videotape it so we can hear the doll chasing you. Here
1: we go. <laughs> and and, and his, in the closet. Yeah.
0: wedding myself.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> the best part. <laughs> so, um, do we need Trace. to take a break before we go to our correspondence reports? Yes, please. All right. So, guys, here's what's gonna happen. We have three, three, three. correspondence reports.
2: Trace. Trace.
1: Three correspondence reports coming up after the break um, and before we get our four weeks off. So, stick around. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark here on MixLR. We'll be right back. Hi, this is
3: Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine.
0: And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions.
3: If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, Crystals in Herbology, and much, much more, visit paranormalunderground.net and start
1: exploring the unexplained today. Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today.
8: A message from the Ad Council.
1: Hey everyone, this is Winter Balefire. If you share in my love for the macabre and bizarre, please check out my website, winterbalefire.com. There you'll find some of my dark poetry, short stories, and blogs on the paranormal and occult. I'm also active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the name Winter Balefire. Thanks, hope to see you guys soon.
4: The traditional light bulb, a groundbreaking invention in 1879. It's time we switch to longer lasting Energy Star light bulbs. They're more efficient than the old bulbs, like a text message is more efficient than a carrier pigeon. And they cut down on our energy costs. Because in our own groundbreaking age, we deserve a light bulb that saves us some cash. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at EnergySavers.gov, brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council.
0: So you're looking for the best in paranormal radio Well you just found it Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio In the dark Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host Karen Frazier For topics ranging from the metaphysical To the unexplained
1: That's right, every Thursday night At 6pm Pacific, 9pm Eastern And other times in the flyover states On MixLR We will delve into all things paranormal And along the way we hope to entertain you And have a few laughs as well
0: so, join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. This is Mix LR. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. And if you weren't listening, you missed one hell of an interview.
1: Well, and here's the thing. Over the break, I'm pretty sure that Chuck was on Amazon <laughs> looking for a doll that he could cut open, a knife, some rice. Some yeah, I was looking for. Trimming.
0: I was looking for the book while he's talking. I'm like, just find the book, and it's not out yet. No, you can't tell me that stuff, and then not have the book out.
1: Chuck is totally going to do the stabbing the doll. Yes,
0: I am. I'm going to film it. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to tell everybody about it. I and am, so, what seriously.
1: Cheryl and I asked is that Chuck films his final goodbye and lets us know he's going to do it so that when he's dead we can explain what happened. And he can and we can play his goodbye for our, our listeners.
0: Did you notice like she didn't say and if he dies, she just said, When he's dead <laughs> Wow. You're pretty positive about that,
8: huh? Dun, dun, children,
1: da, children play this game. I'm sure it will be. Perfect. I think. I think it will be just fine. Basically, what I want is for you to film, or to you, for you to record your screams and sobs.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't want to go out of your little footsteps everywhere. Your
3: tears, are did so you see? Delicious. You're gonna be famous, Chuck. Did you see what Chad said in the? Chat I know room? he said the
0: next found footage sensation. Oh, yeah. yeah. Creepy Kid Games with Chuck E.G. Oh, yeah. Oh, my
1: gosh. There's your next docu-series. Mm-hmm. You, and you're going to use Ross's book as your yes. as your instruction guide.
0: Yes, I'm going to show it. I'm going to say, okay, here's Ross's book. You guys got to go out and get it. And I'm going to try something. I'm going to do another one. And I'm going to try something. I am. going to do another one and i am going to try i am i am going to try some of these and see what happens. Heck, yeah. Heck, yeah.
1: All right. Sweet. Oh. And, yeah, you just need somebody to film it. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yes, I do. Yeah, I have to get someone that's brave enough to, you know. Hang with me while or I'm just doing set
1: it. Set it on a tripod. I mean, it sounds like I could. other running and hiding or you know what you need? A GoPro. What? You put the GoPro on your yeah. head Ooh, and then you're yeah. filming everything from your point of view.
0: Oh, point of view perspective. That's good.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, we have to have so, like a wide angle of something in case the doll starts running around, you want to catch it. Versus oh we yeah, just,
1: that's oh, that I mean, is is there any the... reason to do it other than to see the oh. doll running around? <laughs>
0: Yeah, you see, like pick his little head up right into the right into the camera.
1: <laughs> you need to get a doll that looks like Chucky. <laughs> oh, Chucky playing with Chucky.
0: Yeah, that's what I need. Not only is to be scary enough, I got to make it look creepy too. That's what right, I have two new dolls. I have one that's um, uh, it's called a Willie something. I can't remember the name of it, but it's they're, they look like it looks like a ventriloquist doll, but it's not, and it's really old and it's really really creepy.
1: Cool. Mm. All right. So Jim says, oh. "What you need is you need your own GoPro, and then you need a GoPro, a GoPro pointing behind you. I mean, so basically a GoPro pointing that's filming your butt. You need like one of those, you know, like the the camera setups that they would have on Destination Truth. Yeah. So when they would walk, we're walking, it would actually look like they were just standing in place, <laughs> pretending to walk. <laughs> well, okay. This... So we have our correspondent segments loaded we... up. Yes, we're ready to go. Okay.
0: All right. So we got um, tonight. We have. Three, condom three correspondents. We have Bob Fountain, bless his little heart, live from the Bob Mackies. We have Andy and Steve live from Leeds Chapel. That's a creepy place. And then Crystal and Manny are doing news and ET Conspiracy and Doomsday Plane Sighting. So, all together, you have like, what, like 25 minutes of glorious listening. So, whenever you're ready, Cheryl, you can roll it.
4: This is Bob Fountain of Spectral Tech and correspondent for Paranormal Underground Radio. And uh, we're doing an uh, investigation here tonight at a place called Bob Mackey's. It's been said that it's the most haunted place in America, or the universe or whatever. You know, every place you go, is going to be the most haunted. But anyway, we got a, a team of diverse investigators here with us tonight. And one, you might have uh, heard her voice every once in a while on the radio show, but I'm going to walk over and see if she'll talk to me right now. And your name is?
3: My name is Cheryl.
4: Cheryl what?
3: <laughs> Cheryl Knight from Paranormal Underground.
4: <gasps> These Cheryl Knights out <laughs> doing an investigation. And yes. and who's this gentleman next to you? Chad Wilson. Oh, Chad. I usually see him whenever I can see him on, uh, on what was that thing? Uh, Skype. Skype, yeah, Skype. <laughs> whenever I see Chad on Skype, he's usually sitting back there in some like wizard uniform yeah. <laughs> on his computer. Cheryl, Chad, and one of their friends uh, named uh, Teresa is Teresa West. And I asked her earlier if she was related to Adam West, who would have been Batman, but that wasn't the case. We're sitting here, the four of us, in Bob Mackey's, by herself for the next five hours, going through a paranormal investigation. And Cheryl, what what, what do you expect to get out of this?
3: Well, I'm really hoping we can capture some um, evidence of paranormal activities. Specifically, I'm going to focus myself with EVPs and uh, still photos and we're also taking some video and using your handy laser device, so hopefully we'll get something on video as well.
4: Chad? Uh, This is a place we've been wanting to
0: come to since probably back in 2008, and we never really got a chance, so here we are. Cool.
4: And I just came along because it's gonna be fun.
3: (laughs) That is for
2: sure.
4: Uh, We're just starting the investigation. For those of you who want to find out, do we find anything? Do we get chased out of here? Do we uh, uh, get possessed like Zach Bagans did? What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to start listening to Paranormal Underground Radio to find out because we're not telling you anything unless you come back a week or two. We'll, we'll just dribble it out bits and pieces here and there. Or with two people here that have to be publishers and writers, they can sit there and write an article about it. So just go ahead and buy the magazine. It doesn't cost that much. And then you can find out what's going on firsthand. Otherwise, you're not going to find out anything because we ain't telling you. <laughs> We did discuss, because Bob Mackey supposedly has demons in it, we were discussing the other day that would it be a good idea to jump out in an empty room and yell boo to try to scare the crap out of him. We decided here isn't a good place to try to do that because the one thing you don't want to do is startle a demon. This is uh, the segment for my correspondence. It's probably the last one. (laughs) Anyway, this is Bob Fountain from Spectral Tech signing off. Goodbye.
8: Hello and welcome to In The Dark with me, Steve Everywhere, and Andy Evans for UK, uh, sorry, for Paranormal Underground.
9: UK Correspondence. UK Correspondence, that's it. Um, yeah. We actually sat, uh, it's freezing Steve. It's really um, cold in here. We sat at Lead Chapel uh, in North Yorkshire and what a wonderful place to sit, this is. Yeah. It's, yeah. It is. You have to be here to you need a big coach <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
8: and uh, we've got a couple of candles going and that, and that is giving a bit of heat off, isn't it? But this yeah. is just, it's 18 foot long, this building, uh, in the middle of a field, uh, and it used to have a surrounding village to it. It right? was actually built about a thousand years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. But if anybody can ever get here, you know, it's its just well worth
9: coming here to have a look at it's it. It's open 25 it? hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the history about it, we, we actually sat about half a mile from the battlefield that's ever occurred in British history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Battle of Towden. 30,000 people died, Steve, didn't this it? it was just over half of both amounts of troops, weren't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, on Palm Sunday.
8: Um, and this is hand to hand combat. Yeah. You know, you know it,
9: it, this is full on killing each other. This, this is what it was. Major, so, um, but we're just going to play some EVPs we've recorded over a, a couple of month period yeah. in Leadchapel Chapel, and these are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, first one, Steve. We just set spirit boxes up, recording equipment. Yeah. And uh, this is EVP. We're getting through. Oh, my oh, my sir. Sir. Oh, is this the- how clear can you get?
8: <laughs> it's it's unreal, isn't it? It's
9: it's unreal. Yeah. We just set the equipment up and turned it on. Just turned it on, and again, this is what we get in. Ask. Ask. Is the speaker on? Yeah. But a typically intelligent response. These are totally un- unedited, Steve. Yeah, these. Are, yeah. I mean, we, we recorded probably about five hours, didn't we? Yeah. On 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 day. Yeah. Uh, so these are just clips. Yeah. have t- taken out and just just given to you. Yeah.
8: Well, when we went here, we, we we purposely kept away from researching it before we'd actually been, didn't we? Yeah.
9: So what we've got coming up as well corresponds with yeah. actual research. I mean, we, yeah, we didn't know much about the jungle. No. We knew it was connected to Battle of Towton. Yeah. Um, but that's just about it. Yeah. We didn't yeah. know much of its history. Um. Uh, next one. Again, unbelievable. Yeah. He's dead. Yes. Cold. He's dead. Yes, he's cold. Inside chapel, there's there's a four graves. Three. There's three graves. As you as you walk to altar, you have to actually walk on on. I was on are actually part of the floor out there in front um, of the altar. Yeah. Uh, two of them are actual I don't think it was four Steve. You're right there is four. four. Yeah. Uh, two of them are actual knights from the Crusades, from yeah. the Crusaders. Uh, one's... Scargill is it? One of the Scargill families, one of the daughters. And one's a priest. A priest from the um, actual time of that battle. Yeah. Who, who um, were resident in that church at that battle. Yeah. And strange thing is, when we recorded this, we got the spirit box. On one of the graves. Yeah. On one of the stones. Yeah. Uh, but just listen again. He's cold.
5: He's dead. Yeah.
9: Yes. He's cold. He's dead. Yeah. Yes, he's cold. Yeah. It's. These are so clear. Yeah. Very much so. I mean, we've spent years and years now doing EVPs. Yes. Yeah. we don't specialize now, Stephen. EVPs. Yeah.
8: I was never a real big believer in EVPs. No, you weren't from the first. I man. Were more for. Or what it, it needs to be there in front of me, like you know, all that. But more and more now, when you pull any piece apart and start stripping them back, there's things on there that you just, you,
9: you, or you've not heard it with your own ears. No, you haven't, no. You know, oh, no, you're I'm more sensationalist. You wanted photographs. yeah, you? yeah. Um, I feel like everybody does when they first start oh, I, want, I want that big
8: demon picture. That's well, what I want. You no, know, but give it, Steve, it's
9: not it? going to happen, you know, no. yeah. How many photographs have we taken? Thousands uh, and thousands. We have thousands, a, a good few. Yeah, yeah, um, but after
8: all, thousands and thousands, it's a very small percentage, it is it? Yeah. Whereas EVPs, we've, we've, we've tried doing EVPs side of roadsides, we've, we've done them everywhere, just to see what picks up, and not we? Because everything's not allocated to a specific haunted place, is yeah, it? You know? No, know.
9: Um, I mean, next one, it's just a one, one's, one word. Yeah. But when we go back and research it, yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, so just listen to this. <coughs> poisonous. And again. <coughs> poisonous. It's poisonous.
8: Poisonous. Poisonous. An interesting thing is that, uh, I think what it Lancastrians, that there's a, a, a river that runs outside of Led Chapel. Cockbeck. Cockbeck. Uh, and Lancastrians actually poisoned this with, with rotten animals and, and, and all that kind of stuff. About two weeks before battle. And that killed off this surrounding village that yeah. were around this church. Um, so when we get a voice
9: saying... <coughs> and this came, this EVP actually came about we were talking about, Cockback, wasn't we? Yeah,
8: yeah. Because um, they said that also that Cockbay, it it's... Its rivers ran red with amounts amount of blood and slaughter and everything that went in it. Um, interesting though, we, we went on, one of the days we went, it was absolutely really heavy rain. Uh, and from hills across the road, it, it run red, It run red, it? but it was clay. It yeah, was clay that we' yeah. was coming under the road and into, uh, into yeah, it Bec itself. Was clay but
9: into,
8: you could quite easily at that time have said, it's running red with blood,
9: you know. I mean another one uh, interesting one here is this one. All right, and Please, just listen again to this one.
2: All
9: right, Tom. I mean, most of the Lancastrian forces in retreats were being slain, Steve. Yeah. They I mean, were in no mercy packed again, weren't they? House of York were just on a killing spree. Yeah. And uh, a lot of them were killed trying to cross Cockbat. Uh, Cockbat, yeah. Uh, quite, a, quite a lot of them sought refuge in chapel. Yeah. Thinking of a house of safety. And for me, is this the priest yeah. saying, I can't help those that are dying yeah.
8: here? He'd been in an absolutely hopeless position, was not it? Yeah. You know, uh, and it, you can see that this would be intelligent enough, this response, to say that this is this guy. Yeah. <laughs> it fits in with what's going off around there, and with other EVPs that were
9: coming through. I mean, if you go to Lud Chapel during summer when rabbits are, are digging yeah. about and what have you, you actually face a field full of bones. Yeah, bits of, of bones. Yeah, a bit of jawbone,
8: a bit of it a bit also. It simply comes up um, yeah. from from them naturally digging. But even yeah. on a overhead, if you Google Map it and look overhead, you can see indentations in all ground where actual village was.
9: Yeah. Sur- surrounding this uh, chapel, you know. But I think we'll before we leave, we'll just play these EVPs once again. Yeah. We'll have to there. Yeah. And please, listeners, just get in touch. Yeah. So, get, get in touch with us.
8: paranormal underground.
9: Yeah. Uh, Give you feedback on them. See what you think. So yeah. Uh, listen. Yeah. What's your first one? Yes. Yeah. Alright, i i like I said Steve, yeah. these are the most clear EVPs yeah. you'll probably ever get. I mean we use we use Audacity to obviously take away any bits and bobs
8: of them, but these are running as as they run, as they were said. Um, They're not sort of chopped together or bits and stuff like that. These are running as they want. Obviously we have all the originals if anybody wants to sort of investigate that. (laughs) No.
9: We are going to be doing another segment. uh, Black Monk House at Pontefract. Yeah. It's been made famous by paranormal lockdown. Which I was a star, Steve. Yeah, you were. Perfectly. You were a celebrity, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> so we, had a, we did spend over 100 days and nights yeah. uh, in Thirties Drive. We, we were actually
8: there before it became an event place. We were, um, yeah. It was just a really dank, fusty, musty old house. Cold house, cold with, house. With very little furniture in and nobody going in it. Yeah. Um, and, and like you said, we, we spent over 100 days and nights in there. Um, and, and we've got... Quite a lot of stuff that we can put
9: together for, for next year. A lot after. of stuff, yeah. Yeah. So for now, it's good night from me and it's good night from him. Good yeah, night, everybody. Thank you for listening.
5: I'm Crystal Vermis.
6: And I'm Manny Vega.
5: From Salem, Massachusetts, we are your Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark Correspondence.
6: We are also the hosts of the All Day Paranormal Podcast. And All Day Paranormal After Dark, the YouTube show.
5: Find out more about us at getspooked.net. All right, let's get into this paranormal news of the week. Because I got something awesome. Manny says he has something awesome, but he just told me a little bit about what it is. And I swear to God, it's probably, it's not
2: awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Just Just going to turn
5: off the show. All All right, so. Have you heard about this? There's, it's, it was in video form, so I don't know. Uh, as the story goes, a shocking video claims France's first female astronaut screamed, Earth must be warned! Before she attempted suicide. So you're going to have to bear with me on the um, French names here. Claudie uh, Henier, 59 reportedly had to be restrained after yelling the eerie caution prior to falling into a coma from an overdose of sleeping pills. A six-minute YouTube uh, conspiracy film by UFOmania has resurfaced this week, examining her story has been viewed nearly a million times. In 1993, esteemed scientist Claudie was a backup crew member for the 1993 Mir Altair mission, which included her future husband, Jean-Pierre Haudnire. She made it to the Mir space station in 1996 as part of the Russian-French Cassiope mission. And in 2001, she became the first European woman woman to visit the International Space Station. Uh, she actually has an asteroid named after her and her husband. After retiring from space work, Claudie entered French politics and worked as a minister-delegate for research and new technologies from 2002 to 2004, and minister-delegate for European affairs from 2004 to 2005. But... Despite her efforts, budgets for scientific research were cut. After leaving politics, she worked in a biology lab at Pasteur, in the, the Pasteur Institute. This is when the story gets a little weird. In December 2008, it was widely reported that Claudie had to be rushed to a hospital after allegedly taking an overdose of sleeping pills. It was reported that she was found conscious, but had to be restrained while screaming, Earth must be warned before lapsing into a coma. Claudie blamed the incident on burnout syndrome and is now the director of the Cité des Sciences et de Industries, the largest science museum in Europe. However, alien enthusiasts believe she was trying to warn Earth about life in outer space. The YouTube video, which is narrated by a robot voice, is a conspiracy that blends fact and fiction. They're
6: always narrated by robot voices. I know,
5: it's awesome. <laughs> Claudie did attempt suicide in 2008, but the rest appears to be made up and continuously reappears on conspiracy forums, such as David Icke's website. The video says she had to be forcefully restrained after screaming Earth must be warned. More ominously, her laboratory, where she worked at the forefront of human-slash-alien DNA research, was destroyed by fire. Mm. The video uses quotes from real reports by the news agency AFP, but they're taken out of context with additional information. There is no such thing as quote-unquote alien-slash-human-DNA research because we have never encountered any aliens. Claudia's story often pops up when something happens to a prominent UFO expert, like... This past September, or uh, October, the death of conspiracy theorist Max Spires may mm. have triggered the latest interest.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um,
5: for those of you who don't know, he was like super into aliens. Um, he was found dead on his sofa at a friend's house in Poland days after warning his mother to quote-unquote investigate if anything happened to him. Friends also claimed he had vomited a black liquid before his death. Mm. So what do you think? I feel like that was... Four million conspiracy theories all rolled up into one right. So she's there. not dead though.
6: She's at least she survived attempt. she survived that two thousand eight attempt at suicide. But basically the video about her, you know, shouting out Earth must be warned hmm. has sensory surface. So like I she... just
5: picture like she got like the uh the old men in black treatment where they do the ah, yeah. what's the thing that they hold, the electrical thing called, that yeah. blinks and then you don't remember anything ever right. again. So that way you never talk about it again, right? So, right. so um so, but what do you I don't know.
6: Are you are you buying this whole deal of that, you know, they're trying to what, like Silence people Silence like Max, people. Max Spear or whatever.
5: Uh, You know, someone else died, like, um, shortly after that. Well, do you remember, uh, what's his name from um, Haunted Australia died? Oh, Gorev. Gorev, and he had been, like, supposedly, well, he didn't say, look into my death, but he knew, like, at one point he did say, like, yo, if anything weird happens to me and I just die off the face of the plane, you know? All that kind of stuff has kind of been happening recently,
6: but are you buying so I it? I don't
5: know. What? That it's... That Part it's, of some
6: sort of, like, conspiracy? Yeah, sure. Yeah? Really? Oh,
5: yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't believe in the Anunnaki, but of course I believe the government's <laughs> killing people.
6: But what about this whole deal with this, this French astronaut? So she's alive. She didn't die, but she...
5: No, she's 59. Yeah.
6: People are kind of assigning this this attempt and saying that, like... I mean, they're, they're jumping onto it and saying that she was warning, I guess, of some sort of alien attack or some bullshit like that, but... Sure. Like,
5: I think she actually... I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, she got her, like, memory, like...
6: You, you think so? It or something. so yeah, be- for real. You're like, believing the stuff from David. I don't Acton.
5: even. For some reason, I don't even believe. Like, I'm like, how can you even question that?
6: <laughs> how can you question the conspiracy?
5: <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I don't know.
6: I'm not buying that bit because I think if she if she said that stuff, why maybe, would she
5: have said that then?
6: Where is she today? Like, why is she not saying something? Like, I don't
5: she- know. I mean, I'm looking up her Wikipedia page right now, and she uh, nothing. Like, it's not like she there's any controversy really surrounding yeah. her in the sense that like, oh, well, you know what? Maybe mm-hmm. there isn't because the government. Deleted it off on the internet. What
6: wiped your memory or something? Mm-hmm. You're like I don't know. I, I'm not buying the bit about the shouting out. The earth must be worn. Blah blah blah. It's, just, it's too fantastical, and I think it's the type of thing that God, conspiracy theories would
5: rain and on the parades. Well, I don't
6: want to kill everybody's uh, excitement about Bitch conspiracy don't theories kill my vibe. too much because I I do have a conspiracy theory story myself. But I will say I'm a little skeptical of that video. I am interested in the fact that apparently this guy died and then dropped dead and and i don't know it is it is a weird time the again. other
5: story in the max spires when you mean yeah.
6: yeah which we talked about before right yeah but i mean um it is it's a
5: little different you're saying or bit. at least not as like uh what is it? i don't want to say extreme but as like compelling
6: i'm Come gonna help. say i'm gonna say when you put the robot voice in there i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna get a little skeptical when
5: you go anonymous on it
6: i, I need you to not use the robot voice all if right. you're gonna get me to take you seriously all right so
5: what's your conspiracy theory for this right. week
6: my conspiracy theory, uh, another one that's been floating around. A lot of conspiracy theories floating around these days. I don't know if you noticed. Uh, this one has to do with a quote-unquote doomsday plane that was apparently seen circling around Denver. Do you know what a doomsday plane is? Uh,
5: No. Is this a common thing that I should know?
6: It's actually, it's like a legit thing. Uh, so what a doomsday... Wait, is that
5: like the Mothman? The Mothman? Yeah.
6: No, it's a plane. <laughs> no,
5: like an omen. You know? No, it's not
6: an omen. It's a real plane. It's a, it's a type of plane... Does and...
5: Mothman fly it? <laughs> like, okay, fine.
6: Like Johnny Quest? I'm...
5: <laughs> yes oh my god don't even get guys don't even get me started on johnny quest it's yeah. like my all-time favorite show yeah don't even like
6: oh. hannah Barbera classic
5: yes okay okay anyway right.
6: no doomsday plane is is part it's like a, a type of plane um i'm
5: actually gonna add johnny quest to my watch list
6: as we talk okay. about excellent i'm glad uh we have johnny quest in our future so uh doomsday planes yeah so there's in the u.s air force they have a, a certain classification of planes uh, that are kind of command and control centers for uh, nuclear missiles. So, mm-hmm. th- you know, basically, if a nuclear uh, command center on the ground, let's say every US nuclear command center on the ground has been destroyed yeah. a- as part of a nuclear war. These planes are equipped with what you need to launch missiles from the air. So, like, oh okay. The generals can be on the plane.
5: Oh well, so they're a good thing. So they're,
6: of- yeah, they're they're a good thing. I guess good thing. I don't know. You don't want to well, see you- one. <laughs> you don't want to see one flying. Right, it's yeah. a little concerning, and so that's why people yeah. were very concerned when they saw this fly- this plane flying over Denver. And I'll give you the right. story uh, that's been covered quite a bit. But this story here is from uh, MysteriousUniverse.org. Uh, it says here the strange white plane showed up high over Denver on the morning of November sixteenth. The clear skies allowed reportedly thousands of people to watch the four engine plane and its contrails fly in a constant oval pattern for about an hour before flying away.
5: That's a long time. Yeah, and
6: there's actually a video of it flying. I mean, I'll show you just, that's like a screenshot of it, but okay. uh, I can watch the video later. Um,
5: and all this will be in the show, show, show notes, of course. Yeah,
6: of course. Um, as calls began pouring into police and the media, the flight was identified by the call sign Iron 99, and its current and past, past path uh, were able to be tracked using Flight Radar 24. It showed Iron 99 originating over the West Coast at Travis Air Force Base, circling over Denver before leaving and landing at Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma.
2: Hmm.
6: Uh, so what Flight Radar 24 couldn't show was the purpose of Iron 99 or even what type of plane it was. A Denver TV station reportedly contacted officials from just a ton of agencies, the FAA, Northcom, Stratcom, NORAD, dozen Air Force bases, and no one would give any answers. But a day later, Lieutenant Leslie Hubble assistant public affairs officer for commander naval air forces finally revealed that iron 99 is a navy e6b mercury and iron 99 is a radio call sign of the vq3 ironman naval aviation squadron so that's all that complicated stuff but the basic bottom line here is uh the overall mission this is quoted by uh, leslie hubble is that uh the these planes the e68 or sorry e6b as command, control, and communications abilities to direct and employ strategic resources, it is, as I said, a doomsday plane that is right. meant to uh, control like nuclear missiles or whatever. So, like now, everyone's wondering what the hell is well, there. Well, Donald plane? Trump
5: got, just got elected. Well, so... Okay, so you know
6: you got these election tensions going on. You got like you know I, I don't know.
5: That's last... what I'm thinking. Like okay, so that's like my first guess.
6: What it has right. nothing to do with Donald Trump?
5: Yeah, well, not not, okay, not him specifically, but the world is like, okay, so from a literal standpoint here, like, I have to write, I write about the news for work all the time. And what's happening is like, bonehead over here makes a boneheaded decision, like, five minutes every day, every five minutes every day. Sure, sure. And so, but then you have other things happening, you know, people are reacting, other world leaders are reacting to things around the world. Who's to say that, like, they aren't overreacting already? You know? but do you think
6: our own military is now reacting to statements or to? Yeah,
5: well, because maybe they got a heads up that you know, I don't know, pick some random country, Uganda's government is. Ah. They've done it. They've pressed a button to launch some kind of initiative that we didn't even know they had. Yeah, you know, who knows what's going okay, on? Okay, so you're who saying knows who going I see what on?
6: you're saying. So basically, guess okay, so I said Air Force earlier. It's actually a naval plane. Right. Uh, but this E6B, which is confirmed as a doomsday plane. So yeah, this this whole story here you're basic you're basically your explanation here is that um this plane was flying over Denver and parts of the southwest here on purpose because they had received some sort of threat of some kind from a foreign government yeah, like, and they were doing like reconnaissance and trying yeah. to like make sure shit was okay. I
5: think like it's for real. What I happened? mean it, it is for real.
6: Like it's definitely the right type of plane. The,
5: yeah. So that's what I mean though. Yeah. Like I think something happened that we just don't know about. Don't There's so it, much stuff that happens that we don't know about anyway. Yeah. You
6: don't think it was like a practice flight of some kind no. or some sort of like you know, normal. I don't I don't think so. No.
5: You probably practice it somewhere else. They've they've got places not over an urban center. And actually, yeah. uh, a little bit I don't interesting. Think it's a, yeah,
6: on, on top of all this stuff that goes on, I mean, there is actually I don't know if you ever if you knew this. There is a lot of weird um, rumors about Denver International Airport, which is where this plane was flying over as well. Um, it was opened in February twenty eighth of nineteen ninety five. Who is
5: it because it's like? Ooh, I wonder if it's because of the altitude.
6: No, well, so, so here is some no? interesting stuff. Uh, first of all, people really latched onto this. The runway system looks like a swastika from above. Like a re- oh, yeah, it does. A really weird swastika. Yeah. Not, not like a normal swastika.
5: I, I don't know if that's... Sure. Whatever. But
6: there's also a dedication marker at the airport that mentions the quote-unquote New Anunnaki. World... Anunnaki.
5: <laughs> yeah, the Anunnaki.
6: It, it, calls, it says the New World Airport Commission, which is a non-existent and suspiciously named organization.
5: Uh, of the Anunnaki.
6: Of the Anunnaki. Uh, there's also alleged underground bunkers at the Denver na- International Airport. Uh, there are rumors of tunnels from a failed... Have
5: we ever flown through there?
6: I have not flown through Denver, no. No, we haven't. Uh, there are rumors of, a t- of tunnels uh, from a failed automated baggage system that lead to an underground <gasps> uh, bunker oh. or perhaps even five entire buildings that were built incorrectly and buried instead of being destroyed. Uh, it's, of course, all denied by airport officials. But so it's a weird place oh, for this weird— Oh, now I really
5: buy it. Yeah, I buy a... it even more. <laughs> it's a weird place
6: for a weird plane to be flying. What's going on?
5: I don't know. Well, so do you believe it?
6: I definitely believe. Clearly, that, I'm a
5: buyer. I believe like that the everything. plane was there. Are you I, buying? Okay, yeah. let's rephrase that. Are you buying what I'm selling? I'm kind of buying like what, what, you're selling. what I told you. Like this, the layout of how and why it could have happened. I'm
6: kind of buying what you're selling. I mean, my first theory was just that it was some sort of like routine practice type deal, but I'm I don't know. You make a good point. Like, there's a lot of stress in the world right now about like you know uncertainties and like someone might have like decided to get a little too close to the red button and all of a sudden the U.S. has to react and send their doomsday plane up or something. I don't yeah. know. I feel like that's a yeah. really serious. You know, uh, theory and the type of thing that you it,
5: correct it, theory,
6: it's not gonna be one incident, you know. We're you claiming feel like, it right now, yeah. You feel like other things would happen in the future, so I guess we have to keep our eyes out. We are back. This is Paranormal Underground
0: Radio in the dark. You were just listening to all the correspondence pieces that we had, and each one was awesome in its own right, wouldn't you say? That's Karen? right, yeah, yes. Dude. Yes. Okay, so we need to be quick because I know we're running over. So take it away.
1: Okay. Well, first of all, that is Chuck's dog. You hear whining in the background, not yes. mine. That
0: is correct. Thought I
1: would point that out because usually <laughs> it is my dog's. Thanks. Um. So with that being said, hey, we're not going to be back until June. No, June. <laughs>
4: June. June. Holy crap!
1: <laughs> until January twelfth. Wow, said, yes. Yeah, because we're taking taking a little bit of a hiatus. We need some time off, got some stuff we got to do. You know, it's the holidays, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. So we will be back on January 12th. Do we actually have guests scheduled for that yet, Cheryl?
3: Or are we waiting until... We have some guests lined up, but nothing yet for January 12th. So you're just going to have to either come and be surprised on that date or check our website,
1: paranormalunderground.net, and we'll post it there. There all you. right. So, with that being said, we are a few minutes over, and we appreciate you listening all the way to the end. Yes. And um, I would personally like to, and I suppose I can speak for Cheryl and Chad and Chuck to wish everybody a happy holiday, whatever yes. holiday it is that you celebrate.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And if you don't celebrate a holiday in December, then just have a happy December Day. and yeah. happy New Year. <laughs> we'll, okay. we'll 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 talk to you in the New Year. Um, so back on January 12th, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, other times in the flyover states. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark here on MixLR.
0: Good night. Happy holidays. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.